0: This is The Channel, a podcast from the International Institute for Asian Studies. Welcome to The Channel. I'm your host, Benjamin Linder. Today on the podcast, I'm pleased to be joined by Olivier Arifon. Olivier is a professor at Université Catholique de Lille and he has held visiting professorships at universities around the world. He also works as a communications consultant and trainer for diverse clients in academic, diplomatic, and other spheres. His new book, Le Récide Politique Chinois: Soft Power, Communication, Influence, was published in 2021 by Le Armaton. The book examines China's changing reputation in the world. It explores how China is viewed globally, and also how Chinese officials work in many domains to cultivate a particular image. In the course of an email exchange about his new book, Olivier mentioned the relevance of China for the ongoing war in Ukraine. This seemed like a topic worth exploring, and one which would not feel out of place on a platform like this primarily concerned with Asian studies. After the initial shock of the invasion of Ukraine itself, recent days have seen more attention paid by the media to other geopolitical dimensions of the conflict. One of the big question marks, as Olivier and I sat down to record, was precisely what steps or actions China might take with respect to the conflict, and what geopolitical consequences those might entail. What follows is a brief conversation between myself and Olivier about his new book and how it ties into the contemporary violence unfolding in Ukraine. Given the urgency of the topic, this episode of the channel was produced somewhat swiftly, I'd like to thank Olivier for proposing this conversation in the first place, and also for being able to schedule it on short notice. We hope to explore all of these topics in greater depth moving forward, and we welcome listeners to get in contact if they want to join the conversation. But for now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Olivier Arifon. Olivier Arifon, thank you so much for joining us on the channel. We're happy to have you with us. Hello. Before we get into the topics we're going to be discussing, which include China's reputation in the world geopolitically and the communication strategies surrounding that, I wonder if you could first just introduce your intellectual biography for us. How did you get your start? What is your position? How do you identify yourself at this moment?
1: Okay, Great. Um, I identify myself as a, a, a professor, a consultant, and a researcher, uh, which means that I have a, a two activities on the same topic, which is communication studies. The first activity in 30 years is to uh, teach and do some research and to write articles and books. And the second is to do some activity of consultancy towards training diplomats or uh, with uh, NGOs uh, on communication issues. And uh, I define myself as someone which is a little bit strange according to the uh, regarding the academic, uh, let's say, framework, usual framework, because I, I have I am first. A researcher, but I am also uh, a practitioner. Uh, I mixed the two elements in order to real, to make things concrete, uh, to incarnate the the, the work I I elaborate. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, 30 years of research in in, uh, communication studies can be resumed into into one line, which is uh, um, communication, public diplomacy, and influence. Same words for 30 years of work. Uh, before it was uh, uh, in France. Actually, it's based in I'm based in Brussels with a connection of some embassies and institutions, and also uh, I have traveled to Asia many, many times, mostly uh, China, uh, Japan, and India to to do some field work. That's uh, how it goes today, and uh, now it's. Uh, time maybe less traveling but also more writing and that's why i, I have uh, made a first book and i plan to do another one
0: years ago i think you even studied ethnology is that correct
1: yes it was my first uh, I, I don't uh, a master on ethnology uh, let's say uh, I don't know if it's how it sounds in the uh, uh, English-speaking uh, uh, world, but it's a, I'm an anthropologist of communication. Mm-hmm. It means that meeting people, going on the field, looking at details such as uh, uh, um, space or habits or uh, uh, languages, uh, is um, my approach. That's why I mentioned that each time I go, I travel, but I also develop some um, observation and some in, uh, interview with local people. I'm not an anthropologist going, doing, going into a tribe in a remote area uh, with, a, with a animals and, and, and forests. Uh, I'm an anthropologist in a, in a place where I live, which is mostly in cities with communication processes.
0: When along the line did you get involved in China particularly, since that's going to be the subject of your latest book?
1: Yes, it's a usual uh, question, and I'm happy to to mention it. Um, In 1994, I started practicing Tai Chi, Tai Chi Chuan or Qigong. It was in France. And uh, I said, well, it's a nice practice, healthy and good. And then then one student of that uh, course went to China to study uh, traditional Chinese medicine, TCM. And when I arrived, in, he said one time, oh, you can come anytime you want. I said, okay, I'm ready. And three years later, I went to China. And he was a gatekeeper as an anthropologist, as a, as a, as a guy living there. He was a gatekeeper to introduce me to China. So we went to a Chinese uh, clinic, a traditional clinic. We went to uh, the, the big uh, touristic places, but we were also with people. And then I said to myself, well, I feel at, I feel almost at home. I like this country so much. And then it starts an uh, everlasting loop. What did I say after that? What did I have done after that? I went to the French embassy uh, in, in Beijing and said, oh, I am already here for cooperation in 2001. And uh, um, with, with chance, uh, there was two professors speaking uh, French. I was speaking English, but they were speaking French, so they were very happy to speak French with me and We started cooperation and then i've i 've traveled, I've traveled twenty six times or maybe twenty seven times to China, and for the last experience, it was living there for one month in in Guangzhou, so it gave me something more details for, on a daily basis by teaching to students so all this give me a, a, a knowledge of the country of the people. And I complete this as a researcher, as we are, uh, with books,
0: of course. And the new book is Le Récite Politique Chinois. I apologize if I mispronounce that in the French. I'm not a French speaker. Could you describe a little bit about what this book is, what is it the culmination of in terms of your research and your practice as a consultant?
1: Yeah, it, it combines a, a part of my life. As I, the, I, the first uh, in, introductory chapter, I mentioned it. Um, it's uh, Le Récit Politique Chinois. It's in French, but it's not published yet in English. I hope it will be done. This is uh, um, based on the experience that I've described. And um, I work on three topics. The first is the soft power and its reception. So the soft power is very famous, and to, to make it frank, Tai Shuan was a kind of soft power which was not labeled as such in 1994. Uh, so I speak about soft power. I define it, but mostly I criticize it, because I put them I put it uh, regarding some indexes. Like Reporter Without Borders or some other indexes, which evaluate the the place of China comparing to the place of European countries. And it's a way to incarnate the the reception of the image of China, not putting numbers of uh, Confucius Institute or not putting members of the number of channels or the number of languages of the Chinese media, but more concretely uh, to to, uh, speak, to deal with the reception. The second chapter deals with the Western Balkans, six countries, and uh, there, is a, uh, there is there a place where the Chinese influence meets the, the European influence, because it's a key place between two two areas and the key place between two models. Uh, This is more desk research, because I've made a research about uh, four leading newspapers, and three, two uh, Chinese leading newspapers, and I compare the results and the wordings and the discourse analysis. And the third chapter uh, is about uh, being a practitioner of events organized by China as a Chinese in Brussels. During ten years, before the COVID, so eight years, I was attending to almost any event organized by the Chinese uh, actors, just to watch, that's more anthropologic approach, and I describe the players, the events, and the, the people there, and even sometimes the discussions. So we've got science, and as a, as a friend of mine says, when uh, we read this book, uh, the image of China became more precise. But moreover, the result of the of the of this research make, um, also shows also that despite my 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 uh, my favor despite my my, um, my attention to the Chinese culture and to the chinese civilization uh, despite all that uh, the image of china has swift brutally rapidly uh, in 2020, 2021. so the book stops at that moment. Uh, because it was written uh, during the second lockdown, and it was published in June 2021. And it shows that the image is worsening at the world level, especially at the European level.
0: How would you describe, um, let's actually take that in two stages, up until COVID, which I think introduced a whole new kind of dimension into how China is viewed in the world, how would you describe the Chinese reputation broadly um, before COVID and maybe since COVID? And then after that, we'll certainly still get into Ukraine.
1: Yeah, it's a good question because uh, uh, at least in, in the world Europe and uh, some other country in the world and uh, uh, exactly aligned with what I've seen in Brussels, it was functioning. The image was improving Everyone was happy to uh, deal with the panda, to do the New Year uh, uh, animation in the streets or to go to the Confucius Institute. And the image was, the, the effort were really uh, successful. The effort made by China were really successful. And it was uh, uh, the beginning of the success with a positive loop because, uh, you know, uh, All the scholars on on communication know that reputation takes uh, 10 years to elaborate and maybe be be destroyed into one night. But after after eight years, it was slowly increasing. And many countries were, okay, it's a big player, but there's positive things and there is a positive culture and there is positive discussions and we can do stuff, not only trade, our business, but we can do some academic research, academic cooperation, and I, I had experience at that moment, and it was great, really great to live. But then there was the, 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 the emergence of the virus, which we all remember that the place of origin is still unknown and not proven, but it appears for the first time in, in Wuhan. In center of China. So, uh, for many reasons that we don't have time to discuss, as, as far as I know, uh, the image image swift, swift, swift change uh, within one year. And I give you three arguments which may be more or less uh, relevant. First, that's the origin of the virus. Then, it's a uh, the mask diplomacy, then also uh, in some uh, European countries it was uh, the wolf diplomacy uh, discourses made by ambassadors, and then also while discussing at the railway station where I I take every week, the lady of the bookshop say, oh, Chinese is a threat in me, which is just a normal person, which is said bottle of water and, and magazines, and I had a short discussion, and she said, oh, I know that it could be a threat. So, you know, the image, as a communication specialist, we, we deal with the reception issues and the construction of image, and this is very something which is intangible,
0: fragile, and then we have a new uh, moment, a new momentum. I wonder, how have people in the political sphere, either, say, Chinese diplomats or European diplomats, how have they responded to your work generally?
1: They don't respond, actually. Uh, I have have contacted them, and they didn't reply. I didn't contact the Chinese uh, mission, because because it's useless. Uh, But all the politicians uh, didn't reply. But as I'm quite well informed... French unit research uh, is very closely connected to the politicians in France, and they are already informed about that. Uh, so maybe I arrive too late. Maybe I will. Uh, maybe I need a, 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 a press attaché in order to succeed. <laughs> but
0: um, it takes time to 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 promote a book. Do you have a particular idea of how you would like your book to be received among, say, diplomats, in addition to its academic audience, say? Oh,
1: it's a very interesting question. It's the first time I, I have this. Because when you publish, when when, uh, when all we, we as researcher uh, we publish a book, we are we are uh, dealing with the, the next step, which is the reception. Uh, people which are reading the book and when I, do, when I, do, when I go to conferences say, okay, it gives, now, it gives me now the big picture. It's very interesting. It's very helpful. And uh, as far as I know, the politicians uh, uh, are more or less aware of my words. And not only the European ones, but the Chinese ones too. I'm sure that the Chinese know very well the result of my work or at least one piece of the puzzle of uh, and they know that but they, they 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 don't propose something new
0: so that's how it goes so now this seems like a good time to pivot to the occasion for us actually recording this podcast on this day so we got in contact originally um about your book and for our reviews website but you mentioned that you know, you had things you had a per, a perspective about what's going on in Ukraine now and how China sort of fits into this um still very much emerging geopolitical picture, which is quite complicated. So we're just to be clear for listeners, we're recording this on March sixteenth in the midst of a rapidly developing um, international situation in which Russia has invaded Ukraine and there's an ongoing war there. China has recently become more prominent in discussions about this, given their lack of or response to this whole situation. This is something I don't specialize in at all. So I wonder if you could just explain to me your read on this situation. What is China's role in this? What could their role be? Maybe what should their role be? Yeah, could be or should
1: be. Yeah, We can make the discussion with a distinction. Uh, I would like to, to label this uh, this uh, part of the podcast with a title such as China, a power of influence under surveillance. It means that every, every gesture, every action will be monitored closely by all the population in the whole world, or at least by all the politicians of the countries. Why do I say this? You you may know the Chinese culture doesn't like the Chinese culture and the Chinese government doesn't like to be under pressure, doesn't like to be forced to decide rapidly, because they consider that there's a long long period of of negotiation and time in power. So, but now they they they, they face uh, um, something very interesting: the the first abstention at the UN uh, resolution, which was quite normal then they maybe force or uh, engage to support their ally, which is uh, the Russian Federation, Uh, because of many uh, elements like uh, agreement and relation of the two leaders and interest. But on the other hand, if they do this, I... I am sure they will be the next. They could be also pointed out or linked with the image of the Russian leader, and this is not good for them because, they, uh, you, as you may know, Russia is in between China and the European Union, and the challenge of China is to succeed with with trade, trade with the European Union, which is the biggest player, at least with the US. So it, it, it creates disorder. It creates chaos, it also may, may force to reorganize all the, the, the flu of the, the movement of goods and finance and data, which, isn't, which this, reorganization, this reorganization will not be in favor of China. So, this is the first danger being associated with, uh, with the Russian image and having more to lose than to gain. The second possibility is to appear, as in the theory, as a good guy. Uh, the good guy is a, is a, is a man in uh, the, the the good guy is a man which say okay calm down we are here to negotiate we can help you like in the uh, U.S. Uh, police in the U.S. movies and then uh, the the China and the government will decide decides to appear as a good guy in order to be the, the the power which is the only one which can be listened by the president of the Federation of Russia. But today you say on the 16th of March we don't know, we don't know it with, in with, on which uh, on which side the coin may may fall or on which side the way it can it goes, uh, because um, there are two elements. Uh, first, the reorganization, then. China should respect respect its commitment at the world level. Otherwise, mask uh, may fall. It means that the mask, not the, the the mask which we were wearing during the two years COVID period, but the the, the position and the, the the mask may fall uh, and force uh, uh, China to 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 reveal. Uh, it's uh, ter- trends and
0: it's a long time position. Yeah, it's an interesting m- metaphor or turn of phrase saying the mask may fall. What are some of the broadly? What are some of the geopolitical dynamics that put China in this particular? position of on the one hand wanting to continue trade with the European Union and on the other hand wanting to seemingly not take a strong stand against the Russian invasion of Ukraine what are like what is the sort of um, calculation that they must be making globally right now
1: it's very hard to say. Because it's um, totally um, decided into this very small uh, member of the um, Chinese government, and uh, uh, there was an interesting uh, comment by a a Chinese scholar uh, saying that China has two weeks to decide—only two weeks—which means before the first of April of this year. And uh, because of what? Because the, more, the longer the war remains in Ukraine, the worse it will become for the Federation of Russia. And then China cannot wait too long. Otherwise, it will, be, it will also crystallize the perception uh, of, of, of the country into at least European citizens' mind, And um, it's more... My sentence here are more um, expectation than uh, reality, and to make it short, all the uh, Chinese uh, scholar, let's say like my 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 me and other uh, colleagues, are looking on a daily basis of the uh, words and the action of China.
0: I've heard rumblings in the media wondering whether or not the situation, say, in Hong Kong or Taiwan, have had any kind of, um, if that's part of the calculation going on behind the scenes among high-level diplomats in China, what do you think about that? Is there any indication to you that this is something that is relevant at the moment?
1: Uh, alors, let's put aside Hong Kong, which is uh, the case is... Uh, to put it, it, to say it bluntly, the case is over, Uh, Taiwan, is uh, the case is uh, still there, and of course, many uh, uh, comments were done about the similarity between the two positions, two neighboring countries, uh, two uh, countries which were claimed by the biggest uh, power nearby, uh, by the neighbor, and many comments are done like this, but as the same it's a, also a question of perception and communication approach as i mentioned several times the visibility of the situation will increase the cost of any action let's put, let's say very easily i mean i say that the the, the receiver is quite able to analyze the, the messages today in in this 21st century, and the cost for China to do something like this will be incredibly high. Because if on the day after, uh, uh, let's say, an invasion or at least a military action, on the day after, the worldwide opinion will be uh, uh, informed, of course, but will be also framed into one into something which could be totally um, in the contrary
0: of the of the interests of China. Do you plan to follow this story moving forward in terms of your own writing beyond just a personal interest level? Will you be writing at all about this moving forward? Yes, I plan to do that uh,
1: because I am very happy and lucky. I had the, the idea of a new book Uh, let's say uh, three weeks ago, and of course, uh, uh, this could be a a chapter of of this uh, new book uh, dealing also with uh, communication approach, public diplomacy, and
0: broadly speaking uh, geopolitics uh, issues. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about this, about your new book, your general interests, or about the situation before we conclude our conversation? No, I have nothing too special to say. Uh,
1: I I, I will give time to time. I will look uh, in a proper manner uh, with some um, distance uh, to such event, in order to 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 frame it uh, in a in a proper manner, not as a uh, my position is not as a pundit, which is able to comment any
0: uh, um, point of the actuality uh, on a daily basis. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Olivier Arifon. We hope people will check out your book for the French speakers, and we're hopeful that you'll come back and join us on the podcast again as these things do develop. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yes, yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for uh, giving me this uh, possibility and um, sharing some new ideas with uh, uh, the center, your center mm-hmm. in Leiden.
0: that was Olivier Arifon. His new book is Le Récide Politique Chinois, Soft Power, Communication, Influence. It was published in French in 2021 by Le Armaton. Thank you for listening to the channel. Please subscribe to receive all future episodes. This podcast is brought to you by the International Institute for Asian Studies, a globally oriented institution based at Leiden University in the Netherlands. We are dedicated to fostering an integrated, multidisciplinary understanding of Asia and beyond, and we would love for you to get involved. For more information on our conferences, webinars, publications, and fellowship program, please visit EAS.Asia. That's iias.asia. See you next time.